everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you want to call it. We're back. What's up, ZG? Hey, I missed you, buddy. I missed you too, man. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our lives got a little hectic here recently, so... Um, they did. I mean, we're doing our best. We are. My life's about to get a little more hectic. I'm, I'm moving back to school tomorrow, so if you're in the Delph, I'll be there. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, is that really a thing to congratulate me on, going back to, to Arkadelphia? True. Yeah, okay. So enough about Arkadelphia. I'm, I'm ready to talk sports, man. Like, this is, it's been a good week. We let things simmer. We let things sit, and and now we can, we can finally open up our forum of uh, trading takes and disagreeing and arguing. Yes, we can. I'm excited. So, where do you want to start? You want to start at basketball, college football? I know it's had a lot of news. Baseball, I wherever you want, want to start. I want to stay as far away from baseball as possible. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I don't really blame you. The Reds have not lived up to the expectations this year. Joey Votto was off to a hot start, though. I'm, I'm assuming he's still playing pretty well. Actually, yeah, no, he got the COVID, he got the, the COVID symptoms. He's not playing right now. No, he played. He only was out one day, and then the next day he hit the go-ahead home run in the eighth to win it. So uh, he's gotcha. doing all right. Okay, good for Joey Votto. The only one of the very few games will will win this season. Um, I actually, real quick, since you said something, uh, you could put me, you, Michael Tracy, and Taylor Langston in the back end of the Reds bullpen, and I don't think much would change. That sounds like the Cubs bullpen. The Cubs bullpen has been terrible. So the Cubs starting pitching leads the league in ERA. Last time I checked, it's probably dropped after last night. But with our last in the league in bullpen ERA, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, the Reds have had amazing starting pitching. Unbelievable starting pitching and just can't uh, can't hit and can't can't shut down games in the back end. So um, the starters are who we thought they were. Um, I mean Three of the, all those top three guys with Castillo, Bauer, and um, Sonny Gray. Gray. I mean, come on! I mean, that's the best. You, that's that's the best you can get right now, and they're not winning games. So we we won't. I don't really want to get into baseball. We can, but I just I don't want to talk about the Cubs or the Reds. It's just so so painful. Can we talk Twins and Yankees though? Because they both look fantastic. Yeah, but we expected that. You're right, but I mean. We expected this from the Yankees, and I was thinking like 13 games in, Twins would be like seven and six, eight and five. But no, they're, they're I said the twins thirteen and three. Nice. I said the Twins were going to be really good. The White Sox have, have they've they've started to kind of pick it up too. They're starting to figure some things out. They've 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 looked pretty good their past few games. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think a lot of it comes down to. Um, I, it's still early, and it's just hard to. It's hard right now because it is a short season, and it's something that players, teams, fans, podcasters alike aren't used to. So we don't know how to read this stuff so far. Like the Marlins right. are six and one, like which is just you know ridiculous. I, you I think, know what I mean? I think though? the like, Orioles have a winning record. It. Yeah, they it's, are, it um, makes it tough. They're five and seven now, but still, it's like. 
there's teams that we knew were going to be all right, and then there's teams that we're, we we know are bad. Like, we don't even have to really, like, like are they, like ooh, are they a shock? No, like, we know the Marlins are bad. We know the Rockies <laughs> aren't going to win the NL West. Like, we just need to – I don't know how to navigate these waters, especially with all the pain I'm in uh, being 5-8 and eight and 4th in the division right now. Yeah. Okay. Last last baseball thing. I know you're ready to be done, but I'm I'm gonna pat you on the back here. You were totally right on Shane Bieber. He's been dominant to start the year. I I'm sorry. My predictions are unbelievable. I I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. He's he's looked really good. So yeah, I gotta pat you on the back on that one because that that was that was 100% a good take that I was not on. I was all over it. I I could feel it in my bones. And then, so, yeah. what do we got? Well, Luis Roberts definitely the front runner right now for an AL MVP. Um, the Reds AL MVP sh- or, or AL or Rookie of the AL Year? AL Rookie of the Year. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, the Reds platoon uh, the outfielder they signed for millions of dollars. That's a 31 year old rookie. So uh, it's not looking great on my end. Um, guy absolutely smashed in J- Japan and. Oh gosh! If if this was a Reds podcast, I would be going in on David Bell, the Reds manager. But um, for Have for my you? Cincinnati for the Cincinnati listenership, you know where I'm going. <laughs> Have you seen Dustin May for the Dodgers pitch yet? Yeah, and I that it makes me want to quit baseball. He's so good. He's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I it really does make me want to. We got no hit last night, Jonathan. By the way, the Eastside Diamond Hoppers. Oh, I'm sorry. That's rough. Yeah, I mean, former first rounder on the mound. He kind of got lucky. Oh gosh. I don't know how lucky you can get throwing a no hitter. I mean, he only struck out seven, walked four, walked five. But I feel oh, like so he, he didn't even up, pitch. Oh wow. He gave up a lot of barrels too. Some nights are like that, I guess. That's wow. Okay, did he throw a ninety-nine mile an hour two seam that moves like a foot, like like Dustin May did the other night against the Padres? No, but he did throw a ninety-four mile an hour cutter. Oh, that's rough. Oh man, was he righty or lefty? A righty. Oh, coming in on your hands—that's rough for you. Oh god, I barreled. I barreled. Give me my credit. At a boy. At a boy. Anyway, I'm not yeah, surprised. I'm, uh. Yeah, baseball sucks. Everything about baseball sucks. I hate it. Uh, yeah, so MLB, I hope I hope they're done. I hope this is the end of the season. Uh, cancel the season, throw it away, put it in the garbage can, send it to Rumpke Dump, send it to the moon. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so we going to, to basketball next? Please. <laughs> okay, so I'll let you be the, the, the John Morant hater. I'm not a John Morant hater. I just I'm not sure I'll, what I'll he's let you, doing right now. I'll let you drop the John Morant hate. How's that? I'll, I'll let That's you kind of critique him I mean, first. When we went into the bubble, right? It was like we were kind of like, why are there other West teams? Like, why are there teams like the Suns and the Kings? And now we look at the standings, and everyone's within a game and a half, two games of each other. Like, yeah. And it's supposed if if Ja who is who we think he is, um. And he he's supposed to be the guy on a team that's uh, got a bunch of uh, nice role players, guys that can take the weight off him, like Brandon Clark and guys like that. He should be able in an eight game format with a four game lead 
to win that eighth spot. And it looks like they're not going to. They've lost all of their games so far in the bubble. And there's some other teams, the Suns in particular, that are... The Trailblazers? The Trailblazers, the Pelican. There's everyone's in it now. And it's like, what are you, what are you guys doing? You guys had a, a four-game lead with like eight to go. What are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Can I play the they're really young card here? Am I allowed to do that or no? No, not not when they've done it for the whole season and then they come back and they look like trash. They're the only team that is looking like absolute garbage. There's some teams that still need to figure some stuff out, but they yeah. look bad. He, they do. he doesn't I've... look that good either. Ja does not look great. Yeah, which is which really kind of sucks because he was, he was great before – you know, the shutdown. He was awesome. Like, he was definitely, you know, the, the guy that, I mean, I still think he is the, the rookie of the year. But, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I haven't seen him play enough to really give a, a full take. But, look, he, like you said, like, you can't, what, they're 0-4 in the bubble right now? And I believe the Suns are 4-0. Yeah, they are. And Devin Booker is balling. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. But, you know, I'm... What I think is great is how the NBA gave the Pelicans, based on opponent win percentage, the easiest schedule of anybody else in the bubble. And they haven't looked great either. I've seen two or three of their games, and Zion's only playing like 18 to 22 minutes, right? Like, they they played the Jazz the other night for their their opener, and they should have beaten the Jazz, but they didn't have Zion on the floor. And if they had Zion on the floor, they, they probably would have won that game. And it's just, I don't know, they're... I understand, like that they want to protect Zion, but it's like it's playoff time, right? Like, like you're battling for a playoff spot. Like this is what you play the the whole entire regular season for is to make the playoffs, and you have an opportunity opportunity to do that, but you're not playing your one of your three best guys. Your best guy. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah, I well, I didn't know where you stood on on Brandon Ingram. I like Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, right. that Brandon Ingram, I think uh, it was last game, came out like he was Kevin Durant, and then uh, against the Jazz, yeah, it was against the Jazz, came out like he was Kevin Durant, and then disappeared for like twenty minutes, and like that, that's just, I guess at this point in his career, I get, I get he's still young, but like he might just be what he is, and like it's Zion's team. I get you want to be careful with your future Hall of Famer. But like at a certain time, especially in playoffs, man, you gotta take the training wheels off, and you gotta let yeah. you gotta go for it. Like, what 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 is better than going into the next season knowing you made a playoff run with what would have been the rookie of the year if you played all season, knowing that knowing that there's a year older with all of those young guys, knowing you have some playoff experience, even if you lose in the first round to the Lakers, like yeah. I'm with you. You have playoff experience. You have guys that that now are are ingrained in the postseason format. Know what it's like. That's valuable to me, and I think that's I think that's valuable to a, a more to a young team like the Pelicans, because how are they going to know how to do it if they don't do it? You know. And I think this is a year, yeah. especially with the way the the Grizzlies are sputtering right now, to just go for it. And like I'm with I you. get it, I get it to a certain extent about like the load management and stuff. And like you see it all the time in different sports, like Strasburg, when he first came up, they had a chance to make it to the playoffs and they shut him down. And you just see this stuff all the time. And like, 
you don't know when you're going to get that chance again. And so I, I just don't understand what uh, what they're doing over there. Yeah, I'm with you. The only thing that I agree with about them not playing Zion is he is way out of shape. He's out of shape bad. I mean, he always looked like that. He always looks like that. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I just I'm, feel like, you I'm know, he, tired of that excuse. How's he supposed to get in shape if you only play him so many minutes a night? There's, yeah, there's I'm a, with you. Game shape, game shape is a different animal. It's a different beast. You get in game shape by playing. That's why the beginning of the season you see guys, you see guys like they're like, oh, he's he's got trouble with this conditioning. Midway through the season, they're fine because they played a bunch of games. They've logged some minutes. They know they know how to how to recover and do all that stuff. It, you can't do that unless you, you you're on the floor. Yeah, good point. Good point. I'm with you on that. So, I was watching a basketball game last night slash early this morning. And this is a take for the future. So, the Dallas Mavericks next year, I believe, will be a top three seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's good. I think that's pretty pretty close to being accurate. I so think they could add this someone is, this offseason, too. Yeah, they, they could. And I just think that... So they've blown, I think, like 10 fourth quarter leads this year. And it's something stupid like that, you know. And, you know, they're, I think, 11 games back out of first place or something like that. And so, I mean, look, you, you fix up some of those mistakes, you know. And maybe not, you know. And, may, and this year, instead of them being a seven seed, they're a, a four or five seed, right? And right. I was watching them play the Clippers last night. And I think that part of it just kind of comes down to Luka being a little younger. You know, like he's – we got to remember the dude's only 21. And they just don't know how to quite finish yet, you know. Because it, it's tied at – it's 101-101 with about four minutes left to go in the game. And Clippers just go on like a 19-5 to run. And then that, that was ball game. You know, and that, that's what these really good teams do is they just – they know how to finish. And when Dallas kind of figures that out, they're going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, I think, once again, like – I think experience in this situation is crucial, and I think um, I think obviously we don't we didn't expect them to be uh, much, you know, like this year. Like we knew they were going to be good, but we just didn't know. I mean, I, I could see that that one year older for Luca, one year in that system for Porzingis, and adding someone. Like I could definitely see a situation where they get those little mistakes corrected, they finish games in the fourth quarter. And we look up next year, and it's it's uh, it's All Star break, and the Mavericks are neck and neck with the Lakers and Clippers. I could totally see that. Yeah, which would be great because I am I am a Mavericks fan. I just have to be sure that I say that now before we end up being really good in the future. I mean, that's not a hot take. Like they're pretty good now. You could see it coming. They are. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just exciting though. You know. I just yeah. seeing these teams that have these young guys that you can tell are really close, and you're just kind of waiting for them to, to jump over the edge. I love right. kind of pick, finding teams like that. You know, the Kings looked. De'Aaron Fox has played pretty well in the bubble, from what I've seen. I know you're not a as big on De'Aaron Fox as I am, but he's looked really good. He's got this mid range jump shot now that's pretty consistent. You know, if he can just expand his range out out beyond the three point line, I think he could be he could be really good. Yeah, I mean. I- 
I'm, I'm, I like De'Aaron Fox. I like De'Aaron Fox coming out, but, uh, I mean, the Kings have a chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> so, Which he's really a really weird to, thing to say. Yeah, he's going to have to really step up and, uh, I mean, assume the role of the, of the point guard and lead his team. And um, I'm waiting for that from a guy like that because I see guys like uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander um, doing <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, it's time for De'Aaron Fox to, to do the same. So speaking of the Oklahoma City Thunder, first of all, I, I said this on Wednesday, but Billy Donovan for Coach of the Year. But how many MVP votes does Chris Paul deserve? Probably none. You don't think he deserves any? I he think prob- okay. Look, well, that, he that's shouldn't win it. Harsh. Obviously, he probably deserves. He probably deserves probably f- third or fourth. Third place. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking third place because we thought Oklahoma City was going to be, you know, bottom two teams in the league. You know, and now they're a five seed. No, Six. they're they're the sixth seed. Yeah, but they've put. They look. He's and that's in large part due to Chris Paul, and I just feel like. Obviously, he shouldn't win MVP, but we should definitely mention his name with LeBron and Giannis this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. You're right. I mean, no. I don't, I don't know, I don't know where it came from, but um, it just that one of those scenarios where it's just like a perfect fit for everyone involved. Yeah, and we we thought we were, we thought they were going to trade him too. Which was just which makes it even more bizarre the fact that they're as good as they are. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess what I guess what it comes down to is like where do they go from here? Because Chris Paul will be a year older, and they got some they have some older players, some guys that I mean, you know, like where do they go from here? Um, what's their next step? Yeah. I'll be interested in to see um, after this surprise season. Um, what their plans are for next year, you know, cause, cause anybody, especially with the right talent and the right guys, at the right time, you can get it, you can get it done for one year, but with their roster, you just kind of wonder, um, like what's next, what's the future look like for Oklahoma city. And they do have many picks. They have so many picks and you got to wonder what are they going to do with all that draft capital? Because I've said this before, the draft class this next year is pretty weak. So, um, do they trade yeah. these picks? Do they trade these picks, or do they do they stick with uh, do they stick with them and try to develop maybe uh, the way the Pelicans have, or or try to do something similar to that? See, if look the free agent class this year isn't great either. I think no, Paul George, Paul George comes out, and I think that's it. I think he's I really mean, he's kind of the only big with name. The Clippers, so yeah, and so I just I think that if I'm Oklahoma City, I probably dump Chris Paul. I, I trade him, get get something for him now while you can. You probably like you said, can. You know, he is getting older. And, and plus, with the year he's had. You probably can get something, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think you Which trade him. Which is crazy. We never, we I know. were thinking, we were, I remember when he got traded, we're like, who's going to take on that contract? And now it's like, it looks like a decent, a decent thing to add him for a year. Or, yeah. You know, like, seriously. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So I, I, I think you trade him. I just don't know for who or, or where, you know? Because, um, look, if That's he leaves, thing, he's going to yeah. want to go to a winner. What if they send him to Miami? Yeah, but I feel like you'd have to give up, like, a, a Duncan Robinson, maybe, like... Uh, Tyler somebody, Hero. 
maybe, yeah. Somebody, somebody's got to go. I, and Miami's kind of doing the damn thing down there. They are. You know, who's there? Look, it'd be him and Jimmy Butler. And Bam. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad top three guys right there. Bam's turning so, into mean, one of the best big men in basketball. He's a great defender. I've been very impressed with him defensively. 16, 10, and 5 this year. Um, I mean, he's only going to get better. I mean, he's athletic as hell. And, I mean, yeah. uh, along with the shooters on the outside, Hero, Robinson, obviously you have the too. leadership. Yeah, obviously you have the leadership of uh, of Jimmy Butler. I mean, Miami, Miami does it right. They're one of the best organizations in sports. Yeah, Eric Spolster is a good coach, too. I mean, I have Pat Riley, man in the helm up there in the front office. He's always making the right decision. And, I mean, I mean, come, losing three guys like that, like they did with the Heatles, and, like, coming back, and I know they struggled for a couple years. I mean, who wouldn't struggle after losing three superstars and your whole roster is three stars and then a bunch of me- veteran minimum guys? Like, who wouldn't struggle? And look what they've built. Yeah. Like, so, shout out to the yeah. Heat. I used to be a big Dwayne Wade fan, used to be a big Heat fan, so it's cool to see them uh, – it's cool to see them uh, do something uh, a little different than what we're used to seeing in the NBA, building with within and succeeding. Yeah. So, see, who, who else has really kind of stood out to you during the bubble? I'm trying to think for me. Oh, the Rockets. The Rockets have looked really good. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going super small, and I don't know how long that lasts, especially in a seven-game playoff series, but they are looking pretty good right now. And then the Trailblazers as well. I think they're going to end up grabbing the eight seed if I had to pick anybody to win it. I'm I'm going to pick the, the the Trailblazers. Yeah, I think that's a pretty smart choice. I mean, they have the most, uh, probably the most experience. They have the best player. I mean, when you look at it from from just like uh, who's got the best player on the court, it's it's probably going to be Damian Lillard amongst those playoff teams that are in the race. Yeah, he's probably the best shooter in the bubble too. Would you agree with that? Um. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I think he's probably one of the better. He's probably I don't know James Harden. I mean. Yeah, you're right. Man, there's Dames. some guys, but but Dame Dame does it in a bunch of different ways. Um. He he's just a scorer, man. He can just he can just get you a bucket. Yeah. See, who else, man? We already talked about the Suns a little bit. Devin um, Booker's are you ready really to, good. Are you ready to to give my Lakers some credit? They look good. I mean, they haven't on. looked great. Did, didn't they get beat by, by 20 the other night against the yeah. Thunder? Shot like well, 5 of 35 from 3 or something bad like that? Well, I mean, here's the thing. They come out first game, a meaningful game against the Clippers, and win. LeBron doesn't play well. Anthony Davis plays amazing, and then they lock up the they lock up the number one seed. I think two games later. I'm not too worried about what they're doing right now. It literally means nothing. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, put too I'm much with you stock. on that. I, like even the Bucks are struggling as well. I, I'm not putting a whole bunch of stock in that. They already have the one seed clinched. Um, at this point, uh, they're just trying to prepare for the playoffs and keep everyone healthy, keep everyone um, in shape, and you know. The Lakers came out and did what they were supposed to do. You, you, uh, you didn't see that coming. You thought the Clippers were going to win that opening night. I did, but then 
I realized that Montrose Harold and, and Lou Williams didn't play. Lou Williams play. Lou, Lou Williams. Lemon will, Pepper Lou. Gets, Lou, Lou, <laughs> Lou Williams is detrimental to the Clippers against the Lakers. He he. What do you mean? He's a, he's a liability. All they'll do is switch on him, like they did uh, the last game they played before everything got shut down, and he'll be a defensive mismatch. I don't know how long Lou Williams can stay on the floor uh, in a playoff series, and, and Montrez Harrell. Um, that's their only big guy. I don't see him making the biggest impact either because um, I'm just I, mean, I just mean on, on the offensive end of the floor for both of them. Right. Because I mean Lou Will's averaging twenty a game. He's one of the but, best. He can score. He's, I know, he's but probably he, the best he can't bench stay guy on the, the floor if he can't stop anyone. He just it just they'll put him on Danny it. Green. You've seen it, yeah. And then they'll switch on. They'll they'll run a pick and roll, and they'll get it switched on to Lou Williams like they did last time, and they'll take advantage of it. They'll run pick and roll to get Lou Williams out on a switch against AD or LeBron or even Kuzma, and it'll be over. And I don't know in a playoff. That's cool in the regular season. I just don't know how in a playoff format he stays on the floor for long periods of minutes, maybe five minutes at a time, but but can he get cooking? You know, it just, I just don't know. I don't know how big of an impact in a Lakers-Clippers series Lou Williams has. And Montrez is a good player, but he is the only true, like the only like legitimate big man on their roster that, that makes an impact. And I think the rotation of JaVale, Dwight, Anthony Davis – I don't think he. I don't think he means as much as as some would 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 mean would make to believe. Especially you. You think he's a difference maker. I mean, he's going to be a finalist for sixth man of the year. So yeah, I, I do think he's a big deal. I, I'm talking more on the offensive end because I think that when you watched you know the Lakers and Clippers play, you had to worry about two guys for the Clippers, and that's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, right? And I just think that having Lou Williams or Montrezl Harold on, on the floor opens it up even more for guys like Paul for for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know. So yeah, I, that's why I think it really makes a difference. This. We're just gonna have to we're see not. it play out. But the Lakers yep. got him again, and that has to concern you a little. It does. It does. I mean, look. I at the end of the day, I'm very confident in the Clippers. What I think would be great. Is if the Trailblazers played the Lakers in the opening round and the Trailblazers won the series. <laughs> zero zero shot that happens. I think that I think there's a little bit more of a chance than you think. I think that you know, not having Avery Bradley or Rajon Rondo there to, to defend Lillard and McCollum is gonna make it tough. Who's I, guarding LeBron? I still think that Who's the Lakers Anthony are gonna Davis? win. Who's guarding LeBron? They'll put Nurkic on, on Anthony Davis. He's finally Who's helping. Who's guarding LeBron? <laughs> who's think. who's stopping I don't, I don't LeBron? I don't know their their lineup well enough. They have no one to stop LeBron. But does anybody? I mean, they have guys that could that could match up with them better than the the Trailblazers can. I mean, I can't even believe this is a discussion. It's it's going to be a four game sweep if they play the if, whoever is the eight seed. I Dame will have I, a game. Dame Damian Lillard will have a game where he's hot and they'll they'll win at least one just because Damian Lillard. But they has can't a game stop a nosebleed. They can't stop a nosebleed. I just I don't even understand how that. Like I don't even think they get one. I don't think anyone gets one in the first round against the Lakers. Bro, You're hating, no. dude. You're for real hating. They'll, you don't know. You don't. You are. They'll put hating. the great. They're gonna put the great Carmelo Anthony on, on LeBron James. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. They have no one to stop LeBron. And don't tell me Nurkic can stop Anthony Davis. 
I mean, nobody can. I just think that Nurkic matches up well. I mean, it's just it's just not even a question. I cannot believe you're bringing that up. That's ridiculous. You're just being a big old hater. <laughs> I think that you're 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 under you're underestimating my my Clippers a little bit, but that's that's okay. The Clippers is one thing. The freaking Trailblazers, Jonathan. Yeah, I know. I know how it sounds. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I I still think that look they'll get one off the Lakers. It, it'll probably Dude. be it'll, it'll be Lakers in five. They'll get one. <laughs> they aren't gonna get one. I, I were, uh, gosh, you okay? I don't know what it is. I don't know what your your distaste for the Lakers. Why are you is. so upset? I said I said Lakers in five, and because you're, you're wrong. Like, come on, because it's because you're not. Get, they're gonna sweep. It is not even gonna be close. Okay. We're talking just, about a okay. one versus eight matchup here, and you're like, oh, the eight seed but has the a chance against the number one seed the, in the West. Like, the Trailblazers aren't a normal eight seed. Can we at least agree with that? Like, I think in terms of experience and just overall talent, like they're much better than teams like Memphis and New Orleans. Can we at least agree on that? Yeah, but that's not that. Like, that's still any team that you put in there is going to get beat in four games. Like I and said, any I team think, in the eight seed running. It, is going to get beaten four games. And I think that you also have to agree with the fact that, you know, not having great defenders like Rondo and Bradley, it's going to make it tough on the Lakers to stop guys like Damian Lillard and, and McCollum, right? Rondo can't stop anything anyway right now. Rondo's Wait, bad. Rondo's not – Rondo's gone. He's not in, in the bubble. I know, but I'm just saying, like, Rondo's bad. And I think Caruso's playing well enough that he, he, can, he can do some things. I just – I, I can't believe we spent f- seven minutes on Lakers-Blazers first-round matchup. It is blowing my mind. Even if even if the Lakers do sweep, I do think that Damian Lillard will have a, a big series. Just because That's of the lack That's of fine. He's this- a good player. He's a great player. But that – gosh, man, it's good to be back. Are you Jonathan rattled right now? Smith. Are you rattled right now? I'm a little pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot oh, believe a guy that I respect his opinion on, like you, is willing to to go out on that limb. I just like, and I, I don't I like think you truly man. believe. I don't think you truly believe. I don't Lakers at in all. Five. I do. I, I really do believe Lakers in five. I, I think I'm you telling think you, it's I, like Lakers I think in six or seven. No, I look. I just think that you know the take that da- Damian Lillard gets hot one game and gets forty five, and that they win because Damian Damian Lillard's good enough to go win a playoff game by himself. I don't think that's that's as out- outrageous as you're making it sound. It's not, but it's just not going to happen. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> so it's it's your turn now. Now you can sell. How the Mavericks are going to push the Clippers to seven in the first round? Go ahead. They're not. <laughs> They're going to get swept. I know. Yeah, they are. It was pretty obvious last night how much better the Clippers are than the Mavericks. <sighs> but oh, that was fun. No, that sucked. I hated it. Okay, so just <laughs> to kind of add on just a little bit more. So when the Cubs win the NL Central, do I get to pick what jersey you have to wear for the picture? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. 
All right, I'm done. <laughs> we can talk uh, some college football now if you want. Yeah, let me know what's going on with college football. Basically, every conference is going conference only. But were you able to listen to the the podcast that I did on Wednesday? Uh, I heard a little bit of it. Uh, great guest, okay. by the way. That was a uh, that was yeah, good. BZ's awesome. I love BZ. He he loves the Lakers too, just like you. He was outrageous saying saying that they were going to sweep sweep the Clippers, but that's whatever. All right, so he'll never be on again. <laughs> so, um, what was I saying? Okay, yeah, so everybody's doing conference only, right? But here's my question. You ready? Yeah. So what is what is the difference? You know how, how Notre Dame's playing in the ACC this year? Yep. What is the difference between Miami University traveling all the way to Notre Dame to play them in a conference game versus Ohio State traveling all the way to Oregon to play Oregon in a non-conference game? I don't know. I think that's – I don't know. I think that's a pretty – do they play Miami? Has their schedule been revealed? Um, it's it's conference only, and they're playing in the ACC. But e- even if they don't, they're, they're going to travel to South Carolina to play Clemson probably. Like, you know, yeah. like, you see what I'm saying? No, I, just, I, I get it. I, I just think – I don't know. I, that's a – that's a interesting situation. That's that feels like the outlier of the situation. I mean, Notre Dame is uh, blue blood of college football, whether they're good or not at this point. Like, um, I don't know. I think that is the best situation they could come up with. I mean, Notre Dame has to play. I just think I th- I think you're right, but like in that certain situation, it's like, what else are we gonna do? I just feel like this is one of those things where. They want to make it look safe, even though the risk really isn't as the risk isn't as big of a difference playing non-conference games. You know, you know well, what I mean? Like, here's like, the thing. No, no, no. Here's the thing, Jonathan. The reason why they're going to non-conference games is that they the 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 conferences can can have a, a standard way of going. Every team does the same thing in regards to health protocol and safety protocol. They don't have to worry yeah, about that's, an, outside, yeah, that's right. an outside conference doing things differently. Everybody in the conference will be doing the same thing and have the same outline and guidelines to, to safety, which is why they would go just conference games. So the travel is just going to be the travel. Like I don't think there's a bigger risk traveling to – Boston College for Notre Dame as it is Ohio State traveling to Nebraska or where Iowa like I think I yeah. think the travel is the travel but the the thing that that makes sense with the conference games is standardized uh, across the board testing and health protocols yeah I just wish there's a way for all these power five conference commissioners to come together and figure something out you know or we need like like an like a college football commissioner you know like who oversees kind of everything so that for unique situations like this, we can figure out a way to watch, you know, Oregon go play Ohio State because that's one of the games that I know I had circled on my calendar to watch, and now you know we're gonna miss it. Yeah, and I just I want college football to happen. It's just with the with them sticking to student athletes and the way things are going, I would be hard pressed to say there would be any college sports this season. Yeah, I I think I don't know. I just I hope they happen. You know, they may end up if okay, if schools go all online, which I still think is very possible, they could just do like a bubble thing. You know, like Right, but at that point you're just, telling just students the, you're 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 claiming their students and putting them in an environment 
that other students wouldn't have to go through strictly uh, to play sports and make money. And at that point, their amateurism is definitely, definitely in question. And there would have to be some changes. That would be like the final tipping point. That's the fine line the NCAA, NCAA is, is on right now because if you go out of the way to make sure football is played when other students can't be on campus and and can't do the things that the, the football players or basketball players or any NCAA athlete can do, then you're, then you're blurring that line between amateurism and employee or worker. And I think they yeah. are doing – they're trying to do their best to – um, keep that amateurism, uh, the idea of amateurism. It's not, it's not true. I mean, it should be paid, but like keep that idea and keep that intact. So they don't have to answer the hard questions because we both know the NCAA doesn't like answering the hard questions. That's true. Yeah. Good point. So what do you think about all these guys opting out I for, think it's, for college football? I think it's, uh, player-by-player basis, whatever that player feels like they need to do, um, they should do it. I'm all for for that, definitely. But uh, one thing I I was listening to, uh, an athletic podcast I was listening with uh, Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman, they were talking about, they said, I mean, some guys are going to play because to get ready for the draft, it is expensive. And if a guy like Justin Fields doesn't want to play, and I just saw Rondale Moore for Purdue is opting out, and Micah Parsons for Penn State is opting out, those guys are going to be first, second-round draft picks. Agents will float the bill on their draft prep. But what about those third, fourth-rounders, fifth-rounders that have to pay for themselves? It, it would almost make more sense for them to stay and, and train in the fall, and even if there isn't a season, stay around to be able to train – on their scholarship and it just, it's just a player by player basis. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's certain things, there's certain things in certain situations. Like if Justin Fields wanted to opt out, whoever he hires as his agent going into the draft will pay for all of his expenses to get him ready for the draft. But what about that D tackle that plays for insert Virginia tech school? Yeah. Like, and he's projected third, fourth rounder. And now there's no season. That's not, he doesn't have any more tape left. Like, do you think an agent's going to foot the bill on that? Or do you think he's going to have to pay? Yeah. Do you think he's going to have to pay his way through draft prep if he opts out instead of staying with the team and staying around the facilities? So, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm cool with it. Um, it's just, as a player, you have to just, you have to make the right decision. You have to really think about it because it is a big decision. Yeah, I was going to say, what I've noticed is that all the guys who are opting out are these high-profile guys, right, guys who are projected to go in the first or second round of the draft. And, you know, it just makes it look like like they're not opting out because they don't feel safe. They're opting out because they want to protect their, their draft stock. You think so? I never even – I never thought of that. I just figured I – I think that's, that's maybe part of where, it. Where, where it was why, – why risk it? This is such a weird environment and a weird setting. Why – why risk having long-term health effects or potentially having long-term health effects or or just something weird happening when when we're already in uncharted waters? So if you're already projected yeah. in, in the top of the draft, I mean, you just got to weigh risk-reward at that point. Yeah, I think just talking to college students and stuff, the idea that I get from most is that they think the coronavirus is stupid. And look, like, let's be honest, like, if you look at the numbers, coronavirus doesn't have as big of an effect on college-aged people, right? Just because they're healthier and their their immune system's better because they're 
between 18 and 22 years old, right? So I think that, you know, part of it is protecting the draft stock. I think part of it is, you know, the, the uncharted uncharted waters thing. This is a weird scenario, and maybe, you know, they're they're nervous about it, right? I definitely think, that, you know, that's an option. But I think that, you know, a big, at least for some of these guys, it's, look, I'm projected to go, you know, within within the first 15 picks. I'm not playing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I never really thought about it like that. I just thought it was, and even if is that is their their just reasoning, like more power to them. Like if that's what they want to do, I I completely understand. I mean, why would you why would you risk it? That's just I guess yeah. that's just what my point is. Is like regardless of your reason, you're only playing conference games. You don't know if a season will happen. Why not? Why not just start getting ready for your your professional career? Yeah, yeah. And then here's last thing. This thing this gets on my nerves a little bit. Okay? So, if you're on an academic scholarship, you have to maintain a certain GPA to keep your your academic scholarship, right? Yep. So, why are some of these universities keeping these football players who are opting out on their athletic scholarship? You know, I feel like, you know, if we're going to hold academic students to, hey, you know, you have to have have a 3-5 to have this academic scholarship, then I feel like if you're on a football scholarship, then you need to play football. Well, you can't force guys during a pandemic to to risk their health um, playing football. I mean, they earn that scholarship, they have that scholarship, and if you don't, if you you take away that scholarship because they don't want to play, uh, football during a pandemic one it's just really bad optics uh that's true and then and then two it just once again blurs that amateurism line like they they're caught their students first and they came there on a scholarship to play football if you pull their scholarship for not playing football in a pandemic it's like well are they really a student first yeah that's a fair point i never i never thought about that yeah that's a good point but then again, like, could an academic student be like, I'm going to take this semester off because, you know, I, I don't want to be in class with people. Like, I, don't, well, I just don't feel like they'd honor. The is directly tied to tuition and schooling. And academic, like, you still have to go to school. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. Your I just think that, like, do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, do you at least understand, like, my point? I mean, I, I could see the question being raised, but I, like I said, I think there's, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of reasons as to why uh, a football team in a university would honor a football scholarship um, if a player opts out in this climate. Yeah, I, I got you, but I don't know. It's just, I feel like the whole thing is just a, it's just a tough subject to bring up, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I. I don't even really like talking about like the NCAA and their the way they operate because I don't like the way they operate. But <laughs> I understand. Um, I mean, let's be honest. The money comes first, first and foremost, and they can lie yes, and say does. that they can lie and say they're trying to protect their athletes and trying to to withhold their their student student likeness and everything. But at the end of the day, they want. Uh, free labor and free money uh, coming from players that don't get anything. And I'm all for like what the Pac-12 is doing and what the Big Ten starting to do with 
with kind of making demands. And I think, uh, I think a good thing that could come out of this whole thing is, is the fact that players now more than ever seem like they have a, a bigger voice. And when you have leverage, you rarely get, re- you rarely get uh, leverage in your life. And when you have it, um, I'm a firm believer that you need to use it. And I think players uh, need to voice their opinions and voice their concerns. If they want to opt out, opt out. If they want to play, let them play. But I think we need to start giving those players uh, more of a forum to of open discussion on how they need to be treated and how they feel and the decisions they want to make as opposed to uh, the money makers that um, profit off of these guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So let's change subjects a little bit here. I was on my Jay Billis here. stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, you were. Um, did you see that the first co- coaches poll came out yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. What'd you think? Kind of give me your your first your initial reaction to it. I just love how like Michigan and Notre Dame like are always in the top fifteen. <laughs> like no matter even what. though they're <laughs> definitely not top fifteen teams. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it's you. just so funny. Like. Notre Dame's ten. It's like okay, like I like this is the poll. Yeah. Literally looks gonna, how the poll looks every year. Like I don't feel like the yep. poll changes very much ever. Yeah, I mean it, it changes down t- towards the bottom. Like C- Cincinnati's ranked, uh, UCF is ranked. Yeah, but like that's whatever. I, those yeah. guys are used. Yeah, those guys are used to being twenty-five to seventeen. Like. But like I mean, Clemson, yeah. Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Penn State, Florida, Oregon, Notre Dame, top ten. Like that's pretty much the top ten every year. And then your yeah. your top fifteen are Michigan, Texas, Texas A and M, Wisconsin, and Auburn. Like that is literally yeah. like it's just like who who like biggest names we can put in there in the top fifteen. Like let's do it. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. The preseason rankings I'm are dumb you. because here's the thing about preseason rankings, Jonathan especially at the height of the big old SEC, what they would do, what they would, what they would do is they would put like eight teams in the top, like top 11 or top 15 or something like that. And then they would play each other and they would lose and they would look bad and they would beat up on each other and they wouldn't lose any ranking. By the time the season's over, there's still like eight teams in the top 15 because they started there. But if Ohio State loses to Iowa, who's ranked 24th, Ohio State drops down to, like, 15th. And, like, they, well, they think, can't recover. Like, well, there's I think there's a difference between Ohio State getting beat by, you know, 23rd ranked Iowa versus... Oh, then versus Auburn versus, you know, Georgia yeah, versus Georgia so getting beat different. by 11 Auburn. Yeah, that's you know so saying? much different. No, I don't. Yeah, see what you're getting saying. beat, getting beat by the by Auburn, who's ranked number eleven, is way different than getting beat by Iowa, who's number twenty three. Yes, but Iowa, Iowa can play with Auburn and Mississippi State and those type of teams. Like, and it's just like the preseason rankings rate these people. They overrate these SEC teams, especially these middle of the road SEC teams. They overrate them, so the loss doesn't look as bad, or the win looks better. Like, it's just, it's silly. That's why they need to do rankings after, like, week four or after non-conference play, going into conference play, because there's Ooh, no I reason. I like that. Yeah, they that's that's how it should be. I like and that now idea. I guess, I've never and now heard I that guess idea. It, and now I guess it doesn't matter because of the playoff rankings, but this was in the BCS era. But, I mean, yeah. even still with the playoff rankings, it's like – teams in the SEC 
but um, I don't know. I think they should. Uh, a football game played. Maybe power rank yeah. them at first. Maybe. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I like that idea. So, are you a, a Joel Klatt guy? I like Joel Klatt. So, have you heard his proposition on how they should do non-conference play in college football? I think it's genius. I have not. So, do you know how they do out of division play in in like in the NFL? Yeah, like they always have. They always play a certain division. Yeah, but. Like, so if if you won the division the year before, then you play the division winner of whatever other division. So yeah, for yeah. college football, do the exact same thing, and you just rotate. So like, who who won the SEC last year? Um, LSU. LSU, right? So because LSU won the SEC last year, they play Ohio State as one of their their, their non conference games because Ohio State won the Big Ten, right? And then you have Oregon play Clemson out of conference because th- those are the conference winners. Right, and then I'm assuming what Wisconsin was the runner-up for the Big Ten last year. Um, yeah. Or was it? Yeah. So Wisconsin would play, I guess Georgia, because they were the the runner-up for the SEC, and so on and so forth. I think that that would that would make non-conference college football so much better. So like week one, you know, you get your 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 Eastern Illinois or whoever you want to play, and then starting, you know, in the week two and three or week two. You play your your non conference game against another Power Five school, and then after that, I think I, I like nine. the The nine conference games are. I really wish the SEC would go to nine. That's one of the things that I'm kind of frustrated about with the SEC. But that's for another time. And then, what? So what's that's two games, and then you, and then you play another non conference game. So maybe you know LSU plays Clemson and Auburn plays Oregon. Auburn, excuse me, Ohio State plays Oregon, and so on and so forth. I think that that would, because look, like who watch, like people don't really watch all the games the first few weeks of college football. I know we we talked about this before, and I just think that it would really elevate college football. Yeah, but at the same time, it's kind of unfair that they. Uh, it's kind of unfair to those top teams that have to play the other best teams in the nation. That's just my initial thought. Like, well, that's was, that's how the NFL is, and p- people don't really complain I know, about but there's, it. I know, but there's 16 games. You there's an actual playoff seating. There's divisions. There's there's more than four spots for a playoff in in the NFL. Okay. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. I just think that it's just be so much more entertaining. I'm not trying to disagree with you on everything. It's just yeah, yeah, my yeah, initial yeah. thought. Yeah, you're good. My initial thought is like there's more there's more playoff spots in the NFL than there are in college. And so a loss in college football, even if it is against LSU or Clemson, is still weighted a lot more than a loss in week two of the NFL season. Especially in, that's a, fair. in a division Yeah, that's format. a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But I just think that I just think it'd be so much fun. <laughs> I love your ideas though. You're you're the I don't have these type of ideas. You always come up with like the ideas. I just I just think it'd be great. And then you just kind of tell me what works and what doesn't work about it, which is okay. That's how it, that's that's good that's good discussion. 
you bring the so template just, and then we work through it and then we find the best possible solution. I do think so that how, non-conference how do you think football, that should work? I do think non-conference football is important even if you do play cupcakes because you don't get a preseason. And you don't get yeah, to, that's, you, that's why I'm saying like like week one you can schedule whoever so you can play your you know that's like your it's it's your tune up game you know like that's what it is before you go play you know these other schools that are much better. Yeah, I I know. I just think I think non conference play is whether we like it or not is essential because we want our best teams looking the best against the best teams, and I think. There are some marquee non-conference matchups, and I think those are fun to watch. But a lot of the times, they're kind of sloppy, or it's or it's a blowout one side. And I don't know. I guess. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's just a. I guess it's just a, a necessary evil, at least from my from my view, uh, to have a good college football season is to have those teams be able to to warm up against teams that are inferior and and really. Uh, uh, get their footing going into, I mean, and then and the SEC's case, uh, a pretty good conference schedule. Big Ten, pretty good conference schedule. I mean, ACC. And then and that's Pac-12 where that are, list ends. Yeah, ACC <laughs> and Pac-12 are eh, and like you know what I mean though. Like, I want my best teams. Yeah. I want my best teams playing the best uh, when they start playing conference games. I don't want. I don't want to see a loss on the schedule. Uh, or two losses on the schedule from a Clemson or an Ohio State or an Alabama. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a good point. But then again, I feel like because we have the college football playoff now and we've got the committee who who's going to watch the games and can really kind of – who has, you know, the, the ability to reason, well, you know, in week two when they got beat by Ohio State by three, you know, they, they didn't look as good then as, as they do now, you know, in week 12 or whatever. So I feel like, I think- you know – in the BCS era, it definitely wouldn't have worked because it was all co- computerized, and it's just wins and losses and how much you win or lose by. Whereas now, because we got this human element, it might be able to work. I think that your plan works if there's an 18 playoff. I think it definitely. Which I'm here I for. Think, yeah, me too. I think it definitely works if there's an eight-man playoff, but th- it's just so it's so tight to get into that four-team race. You have to almost be perfect, and I think if you. I don't know. I think I think a loss early in the season, especially um, to another team that's that's in that playoff contention. And, I mean, look at like like Oklahoma. Like they would have to play. Who would they play? Like there's only there's only five Power Five conferences. So who would Oklahoma play? The winner yeah. of the Big Twelve. And it's even like, though I wouldn't be surprised if here in a few years there was no more Big Twelve, and we just had. F- Four, uh, four, four conferences, four like like a power four conference, and then with with each, each with like sixteen teams. I wouldn't be surprised sh- if that happened in at some point in the future. I really want there to be a separation between the group of six and the power five. The power five should be their own league. Okay, I like because this. Keep going. <laughs> The Power Five should be their own league. That way you're always playing a Power Five opponent, opponent, expand the playoff to eight teams, and you'll just get better football throughout the year. Yeah, that's a good point. So what what do you think about a 16 playoff? Because the biggest argument I've heard against the eight team is very true. Nobody ever looks at number eight ranked Florida and says, oh, they could possibly be the best team in the country. You know? 
So I feel like I think six would probably be more plausible in terms of getting better football across the board. Yeah, but you never look at the wild card team and be like, oh, they could win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's happened before. And then they do. That's what I'm. That's what yeah, I'm saying. That's a good point. The- yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I just think that the NFL is just—it's just different because they are all professionals, you know. And I don't know. I I see what you're saying. I'm I'm here for the 18 playoff, and I think that for the first round, the higher seats you host, take I just think that'd be too. great. Yeah, and then just give you know buys to to the one and two seed. Yeah, I would take that. I would take that over. I mean, the 14 playoffs fine. It definitely benefits my favorite team, um, but. I mean, I'm all I'm all here for for more college football. Oh yeah, me too, me too. So I think that's that's all I've got. You got anything else that you would like to discuss? Uh, I think I'm good. I think we talked about a lot of stuff today. We did. We covered a lot. We there's a lot jammed in, into this hour. Yeah, I mean, we needed it. We hadn't had one in a week. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, it's been good. Um, Monday, we'll we'll be back. We should be back. Yep. We'll be back, 100%. So, we'll have an episode up on we'll, Monday. We'll be back. Sounds good. All right. Well, this has been Overtime Takes. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at OT Takes. Follow us on Instagram, at Overtime underscore Takes. Leave a review. and Just tell us whatever you think. can be good. It can be bad. We don't really care. Just to kind of let us know. Call us an idiot. Yeah, do, do that if you want. Be like, Jonathan, you're an idiot for thinking that the Trailblazers can win a game against the Lakers. Like, you, if you tell me that, that. I, that's fine. Please do that. So, yeah, that's been us here at Overtime Takes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love you guys.